Everybody say, I got a name. And somebody gave, me, gave it to me. Let's, let's do something. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for everything that you've already done. We thank you for what you're going to do. God, I'm asking you to anoint me as you do each and every time that we come to this stage and come to this platform. God, your word is already anointed, but I need your anointing to deliver what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You know, I said it every week. Now, now we're here, here we are in part four of this series that everybody... Most people have a different name than anybody else. There may, in this room, there may be some people in here, uh, a handful of people, that there's other people in this room that carry the same name as you. Chances are they don't have the, all three of the same names. Very likely they don't have your last name if you've got the same first and second name, unless you are a junior or, or whatever. But most of the time, our names are different. So we have a lot of things that are different, but we have one thing that is in common. And that is that someone else named us. Nobody named themselves at birth. Come on. Or your name would be Goo. Huh? Or That would be your name. What's your name? Because you couldn't talk. So somebody else had to name you. Some very famous people have names that are very recognizable. We've said it before, Trump, Obama, Clinton, Bush, uh, Rockefeller, Einstein, go on and on and on. People have famous names that carry with them weight, carry with them uh, a perception, depending on how you feel, how, what your, your ideology about life is, that, that name brings up positive feelings or brings up negative feelings, brings up joy. Sometimes it even brings up anger. Sometimes it brings up jealousy because you were not born into a wealthy family, but those people were born in the wealthy family, had a silver spoon in their mouth. They was born advantaged far above you. So when you hear somebody's name, you label them that. But I said it to you last week, I'll say it to you again. Just because somebody's name is Rockefeller doesn't mean they're wealthy. There are probably some people out there that have that name that are struggling just like you, but people automatically label them that they've got an advantage somehow because of their name. I want to tell you we've talked about some names. We've talked about Ichabod. We've talked about uh, Eli. We've talked about Samuel. We've talked about many different names and what they mean in Scripture that are very amazing. But let me tell you something. There's something else that's pretty cool about names in the Word of God. In all the names that were given throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, these names were placed on people based on situations, based on environments. Last week we preached about when the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed in the battle. Eli, when Eli got the news that his sons had been killed, he struggled a little bit, but when he heard that the ark of the God and the presence of God had been taken, he fell over backwards, broke his neck, and died. A few moments later, Phineas, his wife, was very much in labor, but it wasn't time for her to go into labor. But when she heard that her husband Phineas had died, she was upset. But when she heard the ark of the covenant was taken, she, she went into such travail that it triggered childbirth ahead of time. And she was panicking. She was worried about herself and her baby. But what they didn't realize is that at that moment she had given up. And her baby was born. And they said, we got good news. Don't worry. I know it's bad that your husband is gone. But you have a son. She would not look at it. She would not acknowledge it. She birthed that child. And she named that child at the first breath of its life, Ichabod, which means the Spirit of the Lord has departed. So we see that events named people. We know that emotions name people. But there's only about four times in all of Scripture, which let me back up and remind you, that God knows us by our name. He knows us by the name that the humans gave us 
Those are the names that when we get born again, when we give our lives to God, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So when he talks about me, he knows me by name. He doesn't call me Alabama number 1.25378. He don't call me by my social security number. He don't call me by my driver's license number. He calls me by name. Are you with me, church? So he knows my name. I think somebody ought to just shout, thank God. He knows my name. Are you thankful that you serve a God that knows you by name? But only about four times in Scripture, maybe five, and I'll tell you why I say maybe five in a minute, that God knew individuals by their name and chose to change their names. God. He changed their names for a very specific reason. He knew what their names meant before, and he certainly knew what the name change meant that he gave them. Some of y'all are about to get a name change. Well, come on. In fact, if you're a believer, I'm getting ahead of myself, you're all going to get a name change one day. I want to start this morning by some of the most famous name changes in the Bible. One of the most, the, these two were, were, were not a big change, but enough of change to make a difference. These are a, a married couple named Abram and Sarah. You ever heard of Sarah? Sarah? Abram and Sarah? Now, now we know the story. You know, God speaks to Abram, tells him to get up and leave his, his home that he was at and go into a distant land. And Abram was very faithful. And he did what God called him to do. He was blessed. He was, he was not poor. He was blessed financially. You can see that. He had multiple, multiple things of, uh, of financial blessings, but he also had uh, cattle. He had riches. He had influence. Abraham was a man that was known by God. Abram was a man that was known by God. Abram talks about in the midst of Abram and Abraham in his time together here on the time here on this earth was connected with a man named Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this about Abraham that he was a man who God loved and he was God's friend. Huh, are you hearing me? He was God's friend. But he didn't have the best of the beginnings. He's known as the father of faith. But you know the story of the father of faith when he was Abram. Let's just read it. Genesis chapter 12 says this. Now the Lord said to who? Abram. Not Abraham. Say it loud. It said to who? Abram. Okay. So the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. Now watch the next line. And make your... Not necessarily make you great, but make your name great. I'm coming back to that in a minute. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Oh, my goodness. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took who? Sarai his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions when they had get, that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to a land called Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were in the land. Everybody say Abram. Abram... 
means, the name Abram means exalted father. It means exalted father. Abraham means a good father. Now, understand that he's named a good father, and his story is about the fact that he could not father children. But at birth, he was named by his mother a good father. Is that not crazy? That a baby boy is named a good father. How many knows God can move on people to do things that they don't even know what they're being moved on to do? Huh? I'm talking about God is working in every aspect of our lives. So he said, I want you to name your child a good father, an exalted father, a father to be proud of. So all his life, he was told, he was, but when people would call his name, he was reminded that it was his destiny to be a good father. And at 75 years old, he didn't have any children. And God begins to promise to him, and Sarah, I'll get to in just a second, that they're going to have a child. All right? How many of those, if you've heard all your life by, by people calling your name because you knew what your name meant, you thought you was about to finally walk into your destiny as Abram. Are y'all with me, church? Now, watch this. So, his wife was named Sarah. Sarah means princess. Okay? Sarah means princess. She was probably treated as a little princess as a child. Abraham probably treated her as a princess. But then you know what happens. They live a long life together. An exalted father, a good father by name, a princess chosen by name, looks like by their names they must have the blessings and favor of God on them, but the one thing they wanted more than anything that defined in his own name, he didn't have. Are y'all with me, church? So we know the story that one day the angel of the Lord and a couple of other angels come with him, but the angel of the Lord, I'm going to show you in a minute, the angel of the Lord is different than angels. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is what we call an epiphany. It is Jesus Christ. When you see the angel of the Lord spoken of in the Old Testament, it is the, I'm going to show you why I know this beyond a shadow. That's just one of the reasons why I know. Without doubt, without a doubt, that is the word of God, the spirit, the, Jesus had not manifested in the body yet. The body had not been created in the womb of the Virgin Mary yet. But the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us is what John said. So, so the, before He became flesh and dwelt among us, He was a part of the Godhead that existed just like the Father and the Spirit. He existed in the spirit realm because Jesus said God is spirit and them that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus did not begin to exist in the New Testament. The Word has always existed. The Word says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit of God, are y'all hearing me? So when you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace, and all of a sudden they look down, and Nebuchadnezzar says, how many did we throw into the fire? And they say, we threw three. Well, then what is this fourth man like unto the Son of God? Are y'all hearing me? In the midst of the fire. That was not an angel. That was the angel of the Lord, which the word angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is the word angelos, which means messenger, which is another word for word. It is the word of the Lord. Are y'all hearing me? So Jesus, and the writer only knew to describe him as an angel of the Lord, came to them and said, you're going to have a child. What did Abram and Sarah do when they heard that? They laughed because in the natural, it was impossible. Are y'all hearing me? Genesis 17, verses 1 through 5. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I remember, remember the first time when he was 75. Now he's 99. 
I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. Now you're going to see something in just a minute. I had time to preach it. That during that waiting time from 75 to 99, if you know your name means exalted father and you done heard that God's going to bless you and make your name great, if, if you're not careful in the midst of the wait, you will try to help God out. And how many knows in the midst of that time of waiting, they thought they, had, they, thought they was helping God out by Abram uh, having connections with, with oh, come on, y'all hearing me, from Sarai's concubine, which I'm telling you what, every time I read it, I still don't understand what she was thinking. How many knows that would never happen in your house? Come on. It shouldn't happen in your house. But they done had a son, right? That son by this time, his name's Ishmael. Now listen. Verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face, age 99, and God talked with him. Ain't that awesome? He didn't just command things to him. He just talked to him. I'm thankful that even in the Old Testament, we got a God that'll talk to us. Huh? But understanding when you talk to somebody, it's a two-way conversation. Some of y'all talk to God all the time, but you don't take time to wait and let him talk to you. If we got a better covenant based on better promises and God was talking to people in the Old Testament, then surely to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ought to know that he can talk to us in the New Testament. Is this microphone working? So Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be, watch what he says, a father of many nations. Say this with me, father of many nations. Notice he was already known as exalted father, meaning you're going to be a good daddy to your sons and daughters in your house. He thought that's as far as it went. But now watch this, this is powerful. Excuse me while I suck on this hawse. Is that balling y'all? My covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Anybody want to guess what Abraham means? Father of many nations. So do you understand that before he ever told him his new name, he told him what his name meant. Let me show you. Let's look back again. Go back to verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. He defined the name Abraham before he ever told him he would be called Abraham. No longer shall your name be Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. Let's skip down to Genesis 17, verses 15 and 16. It's talking about Sarai. It says, then God said to Abraham. Oh, and I love this. If you go back and read it, I love how from the moment he called him Abraham. He called him Abraham from that point on. Very next verse, his name is now Abraham. So even in the word of God, he's, the old man is gone. Come on, y'all hear me. Abram is gone. Exalted father was a good thing, but now he's Abraham to God and to everybody else, and God refused to call him anything but that. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be what? A mother of nation. Kings of peoples shall be from her. 
Can you imagine? Here's a woman who could not have a child, went so far as to think, I need to help God out, gave her helper to her husband to have a child with. She still didn't have a child. And God just changed her name and said, from now on, you need to know that not only is he going to be a father of nations, you are a mother of nations, and went on to say, kings of entire races of people shall come from your womb. Are y'all hearing me, church? Wow. Abraham means father of many nations. Now, before you start, before you automatically think Sarah means mother of many nations, it doesn't. Sarah means princess. Sarah means my princess. That literally is what changed. It went from princess in the world to God names her Sarah and says, she's not just your princess now, Abraham. Abram, she's my princess. She's royalty to me. Therefore, what you and her get together and do, Everything from this point forward is a part of royal lineage. Are y'all hearing me? She is my princess. She's a princess in the home of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Are y'all hearing me? One word was added. Princess, my princess. She was Abram's princess. But now she's God's princess. Are y'all hearing me? A simple drop of a letter and adding of an H changed everything. Abram and Abraham seem so familiar. Sarah and Sarah seems extremely familiar. And to most people that never took the time to study the meanings of their names, you would think, well, that's just a, a different slang. But it changed everything. From a father to a father of nations, to a princess, to God's princess. Are y'all with me, church? Well, of course, they go on to have this child named Isaac. Isaac, when Isaac was born to Sarah, their minds were taken back to the moment that God told them they were going to have a child. Remember what, remember what they did? What did they do when they heard that God was going to give them a child in their old age? They did what? They laughed. So when the baby was born, they said, what do you want to name this baby? And they're standing there laughing because they can't believe they ought to be a papa and a nana, but she about to be a mama, and he about to be a daddy. And they're laughing, going, my God, you really did it. And they're just dying laughing, and they're thinking back to what they did when they first heard it. And they said, you know what? Just to remind us of where we were, just to remind us even about the joy that we have now and the mockery that we even did then, we're just going to name our boy Laughter. Isaac means Laughter. So you've got father of all nations, the king of kings, princess, and laughter. How many knows the joy of the Lord is our strength? They laughed, listen, they laughed when they heard it out of mockery, but they laughed when he was born out of joy. Am I preaching good this morning? See, y'all don't even know what I went through this morning. My, my wife's at home sick right now. And you know she's sick to miss church. She's watching on live stream right now. That's why I got this, start to say oil bottle. That's why I got this uh, hand sanitizer bottle up here. The Lord tells me to lay hands on you. I ain't going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to anoint you with hand sanitizer. I was about to cough up a lung this morning. My wife said, how in the world are you going to go to church? How are you going to make it? I said, because I know one thing. I got a word, and when I get on that platform, the anointing is going to help me, and I'm going to preach it. And I ain't got to worry about nobody using my microphone anyway. This is my microphone. I can blow in this thing, spit in this thing. 
This microphone's anointed, y'all, with a holy spit. So Isaac, laughter. He goes on to get married. His wife gets pregnant. They go down to 4D Mama. 4D Mama. They do a sonar. Isaac's standing there. Well, is it a boy or a girl? Well, it's two boys. It's what? You ever seen that commercial where that, that woman's getting a sonar and she finds out she's having twins? She just, she's delirious. She just, <laughs> she just walks out. The husband and the doctor stand there. She's just like, yeah, that's funny, that's funny. No, it's real. So she's pregnant with, with two boys, twins. Now you talk about a pregnancy. You think your baby kicked. What if the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, that the two babies inside her womb wrestled with each other. They weren't just kicking, it was wrestling with each other. When you study it out, it's going to sound crazy. It implies they were trying to kill each other. You talk about you sitting there trying to watch Netflix, huh? And you ain't got just two babies. You got two babies fighting each other in your womb. I ain't telling you nothing that the Bible don't say. The Bible says, by the way, their names were Jacob and Esau, and the Bible says that they were wrestling within the womb. And, of course, we know now because of what both of them became in their life, it says two nations wrestled within her womb. Two nations. So when it came time for the birth, they're all, you know, everybody's standing around. They're getting ready. Here it comes. They got two babies coming out. All of a sudden, here comes the first one. He looks a little wild. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He's very hairy. He's a very hairy boy. In fact, the word Esau means red, hairy man. So he comes out, and his wife says, well, I'll say one thing about him. He's really hairy. So I'm going to call him Harry. No, I'll call him Esau. So he comes out, and he comes out head first like he's supposed to. And he's almost completely out, and the doctor is getting ready to take Esau, hand him to his mama. And one of the most amazing things that you will ever read, ever happening happen. You got to believe the Bible is true. You got to believe it all. It's true. If God can make a donkey talk, this has got to be true. The Bible says they're standing there and they're like, well, he's a little hairy, but he sure is cute. I wonder what the next one will look like. And all of a sudden, the Bible says this. This is like a Jerry Springer episode, y'all. A little hand comes out of his mama, grabs the heel of Esau, and tries to pull him back in. How many ever read that in the Word of God? That's in the Word of God. He tries to pull him back in before, his, before that little leg gets out. Crazy. So, listen, this is just how people thought back there. So they look at the hairy baby, and they say, well, that's a hairy baby. I'm going to name him a name that means hairy baby. Yeah, I'm a hairy man. Well, what are you going to name your next son? Well, first thing he ever did in his life is he grabbed somebody's heel so I'm going to name him Hill Catcher. Jacob means Hill Catcher. The comma after that is supplanter, meaning he has always tried to supplant himself in front of other people that he was not supposed to be in front of. So his destiny on his name was birth 
when you when you bring the definition on out, the word study on out, there's some there's some parts of this name that is broke down that literally means deceiver. So so you're talking about a boy who is named for the act of how he came into this world. His name is Heel Catcher. I talked about it the other day when my mama used to call me, Larry, it's time to eat. And I talked about, can you imagine Ichabod being called? The glory of the Lord is departed. It's time to eat. Got you some spaghetti. Come on in here. The glory of the Lord is departed. The curse of the nation. Come on. What have you heard this? It's time to eat, you deceiving hill catcher of a thing. Come on. Tell your hairy brother to come with you. But when the people that we love and trust label us, you tell your kids they're stupid, they'll believe they're stupid. You tell your kids that they can do anything they put their mind to, and that's all you ever told them, they'll believe that. I was told I was stupid. I was told I was a failure. I was told as a child I was a bum, and I was going to grow up to be a bum, and I wasn't going to be anything. Well, by the time I got to high school, guess what? I was living it out. Couldn't even understand why I was as irresponsible as I was until I became a little bit more mature after I gave my life to the Lord. And I realized I was simply fulfilling what I was labeled as a child. The only reason I've been able to do anything in my life is because of Jesus Christ, my wife, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You've, told your, you've been told all your life. You have always tried to put yourself where you don't belong. You're not the first. You're the second. You'll never be as good as your brother. You are not the firstborn. Therefore, you are not the heir to the blessings of your father Isaac. And, and let's just go ahead and let's just make sure everybody remembers how you tried to steal that moment and be the firstborn. And you didn't like it because your brother came out and you knew what that was going to be. So you tried to pull him back in the womb. So I'm going to call you heel catcher, deceiver. The rest of your life you're going to live a life of deception. You're always going to be trying to catch somebody that's ahead of you. And you're going to try to throw yourself deceitfully in place. That's exactly what he did. He was always jealous of his brother, and you know the story. Most of you know the story. Something as crazy as this. See, on the, on the other hand, because he was the firstborn, Esau had such a, a spirit of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're entitlement? Such a spirit of entitlement that he thought no matter what he does, he'll still be the firstborn and nobody can change that. So he goes out one day trying to hunt and he can't get no, no food, or, or, and he comes in. And it, you know the deceptive story, going out to get the food and all this. And he's, he, he trades his lineage for a bowl of soup. Are you hearing me? To take to his father, to trick his father. So what does he do? It, does, it doesn't even bat an eye. Jacob doesn't even bat an eye. He sees an opportunity to supplant himself. He goes and gets some hair off of, a, of an animal. He puts hair all over his body because Esau's known as hairy. He's a very hairy man. He's, he, he puts hair all over his body, makes himself smell like a hunter that Esau is. And he goes in and he takes this porridge to his father. And his father, he says, you feel like Esau, but you smell like Jacob. What do you mean by that? See, see, Jacob was a mama's boy. He stayed with his mama all the time, and he probably smelled like the perfume that she was wearing. Not like a hunter stinking blood like Esau. said, you feel like Esau, but he was blind. Isaac was blind. But you smell like Jacob. He deceived him. He supplanted himself. And God spoke the blessing over him. And then Esau came in and realized what he, what he had done. He had just traded his blessing, his birthright, because he was hungry for that moment. Now listen. Esau looks at him and says to his father, do you not have anything for me? Because he realized Isaac was at the point of death, and he had just spoken the patriarchal blessing over Jacob, quite frankly, illegally. He had supplanted himself in position 
up for something that he was not entitled to because he was not the firstborn. That's why he pulled his heel from the very beginning because his spirit man knew what, what that meant. But he found a way to get it. He was a deceiver. He was a liar. You know, so God speaks, Isaac speaks some things to his other son. Fast forward in the story. Jacob fears for his life because he knows Esau is a tough man. Esau's now come to himself and realized the stupidity of his action, and he still feels like no matter what I've said to you, I'm still the firstborn son. You're not going to take this from me. So he knew that if he stayed in the camp, Esau was going to kill him. So, so Jacob fled for his life. He stayed gone for a long time. A lot of things changed in Jacob's life. He was able to get a wife, actually two, and had a lot of kids. Had a lot of animals. He's, try, he's starting out on his own, trying to find a place. But something inside of him says, I need to go and I need to see my brother. So he fears for his life. So he sends ahead of himself before he goes back to his homeland. He sends all kinds of gifts to his brother. Fearing that if I don't, if I don't bribe him, he's going to kill me. Esau was glad to see his brother. And he sent word back to him, go tell Jacob, I'm not going to kill him. I'll be glad to see him. So the Bible says, and I'm going to fast forward. I'm hurrying up. Give me this story of this boy who's now a man, whose name is heel catcher, deceiver, supplanter, who has illegally stolen the birthright of the Abrahamic blessing. Do you understand it's one thing to have the father in, in the Middle Eastern age, lay hands on you and speak the blessings over you. It's a whole nother thing when you know within the people of God, God has blessed your grandfather directly and said all the nations of the world shall be blessed through your lineage. Your grandmother is known as the prince, the princess of God, a mother to all nations of which nations shall be birthed from her. When the blessing was passed down from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac had the Abrahamic blessing on him. So when he spoke over Jacob and Esau witnessed it, Esau watched Jacob receive the Abrahamic covenant blessing. Are y'all hearing me? There's no bigger blessing patriarchal blessing of laying hands on and passing down than the Abrahamic blessing. That's big. So he comes back in with all his family. He's trying to go back home and make it right. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, and he came across the night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the land of Jabbok. He took them sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Now listen to this. Then Jacob, what does Jacob mean? Heel catcher, deceiver, supplanter. Then heel catcher, deceiver, supplanter was left alone. I got news for you. I don't care what your mama or your daddy called you, named you, what was spoke over you. There's going to come a time in your life if you're really seeking to do something in this world, you're going to be left alone and it's going to be you and God. And you're going to have to face what God has said to you directly. I'm telling you, the only one that can change your situation is God. He was left alone. And a... Man, notice that it's capitalized in your Bible and in the other Bible. Normally in, in, in grammar, you're talking about there was a man, it would be not capitalized. It would be lowercase. But capitalization refers to royalty or to somebody really, really, really important. Are y'all hearing me? Then Jacob was left alone and a man came to him and wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Let me stop. Let me tell you something. I'd never heard this from the Lord, never thought this before until this week when I was studying. And I thought, isn't it ironic that at the most life-changing moment of his life, he was taken back to what he did in the womb. 
God said, I'm not just going to come down there and talk to you. I'm going to come down there and take you back to where it all began. I'm going to show you. You wrestled with your brother before, but now where you're going, you're going to wrestle with God. You're going to wrestle with me, son. <laughs> Thank you very much, sister. I receive it. And I'm not full of myself, but I'll say amen. I know it's good. It's good preaching. I, ooh, preaching myself happy. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, meaning all night long. They wrestled. Now, I'm talking about they wouldn't probably barely wrestle. I'm talking about there's probably some pile drivers and some, come on, some, some what, what's some other things I could say right now? I can't even think of it. It's been so long as I watched wrestling. RKO don't know what that means. All of y'all, what all y'all said. There were some moves, man. Now watch this. I know it was serious stuff. Because the Bible says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was knocked out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Man, this is good stuff in your Bible. You need to read your Bible. He said to him, notice, this, why would he do this? God knows his name. But he says, okay, you've asked me to bless you. Before we go any further, what is your name? He said, my name is heel catcher. My name is a deceiver. My name is loser. My name is second always. My name is I'll never measure up. That's my name. And he said to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. The fight is over, Jacob. And Jacob asked, saying, Well, tell me your name. I pray, oh, my God, I love this. And he said, why is it that you even ask about my name? Let me tell you what he was saying. You know exactly who I am. Huh? You know exactly who I am. That's why you've been wrestling with me all night long. Because you know exactly what I've called you to do. And you've been wrestling with me and you've been wrestling with man all your life. You've been running from what I wanted you to do from the beginning. You've tried to do it the wrong way. But today, everything changes. You know who I am, son. And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. And the word Peniel is, is weighted out as this. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. There is no angel that has name changing permission. Let me go further and say this. Even if there was power on an angel to change a name, which is nowhere in Scripture that gives them the power to change somebody's name, I guarantee you this, some angel, some created spirit being doesn't have the power to name the nation of Israel that David, you just went to, still carries the name of this moment 
still carries the name on your map and the whole world is still trying to fight with him. And he's still fighting with the whole world just to preserve his name. This was no angel. This was Jesus. The same God that changed Abram to Abraham. Sarah to Sarah. Change. Deceiver. Heel catcher. Second class supplanter. To Israel. Israel means he will rule as God. God prevails. How would you like your name changed from deceiver, second class, supplanter, to from this day forward he will rule as God, God's chosen prince, royalty. To this day, people still trying to say that Israel He's trying to steal somebody else's land. They're still trying to say that he's still trying to catch somebody else's heel. Let me tell you something. Israel did not become a nation in 1948. Huh? The name Israel was recognized by the United Nations then, but the name Israel became Israel in a place called Peniel. After a man wrestled with God, and God named him a named him a nation, but watch this: the nation didn't become on the side of a mountain in Peniel. It became a nation when God spoke to Sarah and said, "Your name is Sarah. You will be the mother of nations." Just good preaching. The Abrahamic covenant still exists because Israel still exists. And the Bible says Israel will not cease to exist. I'm not, I don't get political in this pulpit. But be careful who you vote for that openly says that they are against Israel. Because when we've got somebody in office that is militant against Israel... The Abrahamic covenant says, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. When we are born again, we are grafted into the vine of Israel. We become honorary Jews. I don't care if you like it or not. We'll find you another church that hates Israel. In this house, we don't hate Israel. Come on, come on. I'm just, I'm just getting, I'm getting old enough now. I don't even care what you think anymore. I don't care. I don't care. You go blast me on Facebook. I'll laugh at you. I'll do an Isaac on you. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, by the way, I don't mean I agree with everything that everybody that's in Israel is doing. You know, there's some people over there doing stupid things just like people over here doing stupid things. I'm talking about the nation. Oh, and by the way, why do you want to hate some some place as a Christian where one day you're going to live? Huh? How are you going to hate a place that God said New Jerusalem is going to sit down on and for all eternity we're going to live there? My God, it's 1148. That didn't mean it was time for you to leave. You didn't have to leave. I got one more to tell you. Because all this has been in the Old Testament. But we got one in the New Testament. I'll go fast. One of the most famous name changes in all the history of the world, changed by God. Because how many knows Jesus is God? His name was Simon Bar Jonas. He was a fisherman, he was one of the first 12 disciples that was called by God. The name Simon means to be heard or to hear. So Simon means to hear. He was a fisherman. He was one of the 12 disciples. When he was, when God had big plans for this fisherman. 
But Peter had no idea how big this moment was. Listen to John chapter 1, and I'm finishing. John chapter 1, verse 35 says, Again, the next day John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The disciples heard him speak. They followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said, Come. He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Now one of the two that had heard John speak, we're talking about John the Baptist. That was one of his disciples that was following John. Well, one of them who heard John speak and followed him was named Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Of course, his name is called Simon Peter in Scripture, but his name wasn't Peter yet. It was just named Simon, son of Barjonas. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Simon's brother brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. See, some people think that his name was changed at the famous declaration, Thou art the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. But Jesus changed his name on the day he met him. The day he met him. He was making, Simon didn't realize it. None of the other disciples realized it. But he was making a proclamation about this fisherman. I want you to know from day one, I know something about you that you don't know about you. He called him Cephas, which of course is the word Peter. Peter means Cephas. It's the surname of Peter. So the Bible tells us that it means, and I love when the Bible translates it for you, you ain't got to get your strongs out. When it goes ahead and tells you, which means stone. Actually, it means pebble or piece of gravel. It doesn't mean giant rock. That's him. How I many knows he's the stone that the builders rejected? His name exchanged is explained further in the famous scripture of Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came in from preaching one day in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and other Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Now watch, at this time, he is being known as Simon Peter. I think it's very interesting that he's known as Simon Peter, meaning he's known by the old man and by the proclamation that Jesus made over him. He's not really willing yet, and his people around him are not really willing yet to drop the Simon part yet. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Some of y'all get that later. And another time when Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's talking about the devil wants to sift him as wheat to try him, he's already called, he's called him Peter today, he met him. So between Jesus and Simon, Jesus called him Peter. But on that day, he spoke to the old man that he knew Peter was still dealing with, and he said, Simon, 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 Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you in the hour of your conversion. You will turn the hearts of your brothers and the hearts of many. Come on, y'all hear me. So he says, I know you're still struggling with the old man, and I know what's coming. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. That's the Simon part of you. But I want you to know before any of this ever happened, I already knew that all the things that Simon was going to do, but before Simon did all that Simon's going to do, has done, is going to do in the future against me, I want you to know that when I look at you, I don't see Simon, I see Peter. Oh, y'all hear me. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Speaking to the old man, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Cephas, 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I got news for you, Peter. I know the world still calls you Simon. But what I got in store for you, the only way you can hold these keys is you're going to have to start seeing yourself as Peter. Fast forward to post-resurrection. Sitting around the campfire during the 40 days that Jesus is showing himself by many infallible proofs. They're eating fish around a campfire. Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, Simon of Barjonas, do you love me? Peter, I need you to be Peter. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you shall receive the promise of the Father. Peter, you don't know it yet, but when the Holy Ghost falls, I know, what you, I know you denied me. But I'm just trying to speak to the Peter of you in you right now. The rock. It's coming a day really soon. I need you to stand up and I need you to be Peter. I need you to, I, that same man that looked at me and said I was the Christ, the Son of the living God, I need you to stand up and be him. Because I need to build my church. Are y'all hearing me? And last but certainly not least, I told you that was the last one, but I, I guess I'll tell you another story. Because here's the thing. I didn't really, because the last one I got to close out this series called Name, I didn't really deceive you. There's one more name change that I need to talk about. The reason I didn't deceive you is it's in the Bible. It just hadn't happened yet. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, that one day we're going to see Jesus. And the Bible calls us overcomers, and he says the church is going to see Jesus. And look what it says in verse 17. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So one day, one day, when we walk into the presence of God, there's going to be a moment. He's going to give us a stone, which I think is really cool when you remember that he said, Peter, you are the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. In other words, every one of us are little stones. Every one of us has got a little piece in it. He says he's going to give us our little stone, and we're going to turn it over, and he's going to say, just like I did for Peter, I'm doing for you. I just gave you a new name. This is a name between me and you. It wasn't given to you by your mind. I'm on your daddy. It was a name that I changed. Ow! Get up on your feet and join the ones that's already up. Woo! And I got news for you. Let me really blow your mind. We as believers are not only the ones going to get a new name, but Jesus himself is going to have a new name. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Notice my is capitalized. My new name. His father's got a name reserved for him. When all of us get our new name, then he's going to say, and here's the thing, you got a stone with your name on it, but for all eternity, I'm about to tattoo my new name on every one of you so that when we walk around in the new Jerusalem, there ain't no doubt whose lineage we are a part of. Come on, somebody, give him a shout of praise. God is going to change our name. If you're ready for a name change, how about this name change? 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was lost, that's what I was called, but now I'm found. I was evil, but now I'm saved. I was going to hell, a citizen of hell, now I'm a citizen of heaven. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm going to charge you, compel you, and beg you to step out and come down and stand in front of me so I can lead you in a prayer that will change your destiny and change your name.